All right, all right, all right. It is the Chief Zone Podcast. I'm your host, Farzine Vesugi, and thank you all for listening to this episode of the Chief Zone Podcast. Always great to do another episode of the podcast. Even though it's the offseason, still a very busy time for the Kansas City Chiefs. A lot to get into. It uh, feels like each and every episode. Remember last offseason? Seemed like a very quiet offseason, but this offseason, a lot going. This is actually a more quiet week for the Kansas City Chiefs than uh, the past couple of weeks, of course, with the Alex Smith trade, the Marcus Peters trade, uh, the release of a couple of players, Darrell Revis, Derek Johnson, uh, Ron Parker, of course, expected to be let go. Uh, a lot going on with the Kansas City Chiefs, and this week, not a whole lot of news uh, in terms of uh, the Chiefs, uh, as far as anything new. Uh, I will say there is something I'm a little surprised by that they haven't done yet, and I'll get to that in just a moment, but some free agent rumors that involve the Kansas City Chiefs. I'll talk about that in just a moment, including a couple of quarterbacks that are tied into possibly coming to Kansas City. And one of them, as a matter of fact, played for the Chiefs at one point in his career. I'll tell you who those guys are and what the likelihood of seeing one or maybe even both of those guys in Kansas City are. So we'll talk about that later on as well. Plus, one player a lot of you guys wanted to come to Kansas City may not end up coming to the Chiefs. I'll tell you guys why. Plus, the NFL draft order has been announced. I'll tell you guys all of the Chiefs selections, at least for right now. And that, of course, at the end of the podcast, we will wrap up the show, go around the NFL out of bounds, and I'll throw my penalty flags to close things out. As always, you guys can be part of the show. Interact with me on social media. Of course, interactivity, a big part of this podcast. I always want to hear from you guys and share some of your guys' thoughts on the podcast, whether it's individual comments or just as a whole, how you guys are feeling about certain topics. Facebook.com slash Farzin Like and follow me on Facebook. You guys can also follow me on Twitter at Farzin21. That is the tweet machine there. You guys can also email me, Farzin at FarzineVesugian.com. A lot of people still talking about the whole Marcus Peters trade and the aftermath about all of that. And I know Andy Reid uh, spoke at the Combine and he opened up saying, saying something interesting where he talked talked about how he knows that there are things out there about Alex Smith and Marcus Peters. However, he cannot comment on those things. No, okay, all right, I mean, fair enough. Uh, he did, however, go on the defensive side a little bit when he touched on Clark Hunt because he had heard some things out there, and I don't know if the Chiefs PR department asked him to say this or if Clark Hunt asked him to say this or Brett Veach or whoever, uh, but there are a lot of things out there about how Andy Reid said that Clark Hunt uh, had a hand in some personnel move. Uh, and, and again, Andy Reid was trying to be very vague about this because he can't go into details, but surely he's referring to the Marcus Peters trade. And I asked you guys on Facebook, do you believe Andy Reid when he says that Clark Hunt gives him and Brett Veach uh, full control of the personnel side of things? And of course, this is in reference to the Marcus Peters trade, the fallout uh, how much of a hand did Clark Hunt have in it? Same kind of split 50-50. A lot of people believed Andy Reid, but a lot of people also thought it was some sort of a PR move or just some some sort of a cover-up uh, and that Clark Hunt did have a very big hand in the Marcus Peters trade. Let me just say this, because I know a lot of people are still upset about that, and I can understand why. I am too as well. I, I think the Chiefs certainly could have gotten a lot more, but at the same time, and I mentioned this before, 
The fact that they only got offers from a couple of teams. There are conflicting reports as to whether or not Cleveland was involved uh, with the Chiefs in, in trade discussions. But uh, the for sure reports were uh, from San Francisco and Los Angeles. And boy, I mean, if LA was not willing to offer any more, what that tells me is LA offered the best deal. And there could not have been much more than that. You look at the Robert Quinn trade and and you kind of wonder, you know, could Kansas City have gotten uh, anything out of that? Or what could they have offered to sweeten the deal a little bit? Uh, But, you know, it is what it is at the end of the day. uh, You just got to hope that, you know, hindsight being 2020, this defense can rebound. The pass rush will be there. And at the end of the day, uh, guys like Kendall Fuller and Emerson, hopefully those guys can have a big impact in the secondary and do what this defense has done for uh, a couple of times since Andy Reid's gotten here, which is being one of the best teams in takeaways and in sacks as well, pass rush, uh, QB hurries essentially. So it's tough to say. Uh, I've already said my piece on all of this. I think there are a lot of people that are wanting to see. A lot of people cannot judge this trade fully. Until the draft picks all play out. And that, that'll of course take a couple of years. But I'll tell you what. People are definitely going to judge this trade. Based on how the game goes between the Chiefs and the Rams. If Marcus Peters is active for that game. No injuries. If he's able to play. And if he has the game of his life. Oh boy. Uh, you know this discussion is going to be brought back up. And everyone's going to talk about how Kansas City lost on this uh, uh, in this trade. Uh, if Marcus Peters gets torched by Tyreek Hill. Or Travis Kelsey or whoever else, uh, then uh, the discussion is going to be: Hey, Kansas City knew what they were doing, and whoever they end up with, hey, might as well just take it and be happy with the situation. Then, so uh, ways away from now, but uh, I know that's still uh, one of the topics that uh, I mean, Marcus Peters' name is still being brought up by people in Kansas City. But got to move forward here, and when it comes to free agency, just around the corner, going to be starting up next week. A uh, few trades will be official, a couple of them involving Kansas City sending away players. Uh, but of course, the new league year begins and uh, you've got to go out there and do some activity. And the Chiefs are expected to have around $30 million in cap space, could be more. And I did say this, I'm kind of surprised Tamba Hali is still on the football team. Considering the level of production he's provided for the Chiefs lately and the amount of cap room that he's hogging right now. About 8 to $9 million the Chiefs can free up in cap space. Uh, if they were to let him go, but still, he is on the team right now, and they they really didn't get much out of him. Thought he had a couple of good pass rushes here and there, but nothing on a consistent level from Tom Bahali. Now, as far as free agency goes and who the Chiefs could go after, well, there are some names out there in uh, the rumor mill, of course, running high at the combine. That's always uh, the case. Uh, here's a first rumor that's out there. Tony Pauline uh, reports that the Chiefs, and Texans are two teams who have shown interest in star Ludi Lay of the Panthers, the defensive tackle for the Panthers. And of course, this is in reference to the fact that the Chiefs do have a wide open gap at the middle of the defensive line with Benny Logan likely to hit free agency. Dontari Poe, a, a player who the Chiefs could not retain a couple of years ago. And he he did some good things, not consistent on a consistent, not on a consistent basis, but 
still came up big for the Chiefs when it came to stopping the run. I think looking back, a lot of people thought Tom, or excuse me, uh, Dontari Poe was not worth the money that he may have been asking for. But looking at it now, uh, certainly uh, it would have been a wise move for the Chiefs to pay him that money. Now, of course, also understanding the fact the cap situation with John Dorsey when he was a GM for the Chiefs. But certainly a guy who, who, who could come to Kansas City and make a difference. Uh, of course, Kansas City was near the bottom of the league in stopping the run. And that's an area they definitely want to improve on. Uh, this one, I, I don't know this gentleman's name. Uh, his Twitter account, he writes for the Chiefs Wire uh, through USA Today. But his Twitter uh, account is Scouting by Chuck, uh, for what that's worth. Uh, and I believe he writes for uh, USA Today's Chiefs Wire And on Twitter, he said he had heard over the weekend the Chiefs could be in discussions with the Cleveland Browns to acquire quarterback, believe it or not, Deshaun Kaiser from the Browns. Uh, He is, of course, a quarterback taken in the same year as Patrick Mahomes in last year's draft draft, uh, class and was taken 42 picks before Mahomes. If you told me at the end of the day that the Chiefs were going to get Two of the four quarterbacks from last year's draft class, uh, Trubisky, Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, and Deshaun Geyser. I would have thought for sure Deshaun Watson was one of them. But no, it appears Pat Mahomes, obviously the Chiefs drafted him, and Deshaun Kaiser may end up in Kansas City. That's at least the uh, one of the uh, latest rumors that the Kansas City Chiefs are part of right now. Now I'll say this, I think Deshaun Kaiser... I mean, look, he was with the Cleveland Browns. A lot of people kind of surprised that the Browns are giving up on him. But I think as Chiefs fans, we shouldn't be because look who the general manager is of that football team. It's John Dorsey. So he's going to want to bring in one of his guys. You never know who it could be right now. Let's not forget about the guy who won the Super Bowl MVP. Nick Foles, a player who Dorsey did sign at one point. When he was a member of the Kansas City Chiefs. So that could be a guy who comes to Kansas City. You never know. I will say this about Kaiser. I think if anything. People will look at a player. And if they didn't do very well. They get too nervous about it. But under Andy Reid. You always see players play to their potential. Think about some of the players that. Played for different head coaches. Before 2013. Guys such as Alex Smith and Jamal Charles. I know they're no longer with the Chiefs. Uh, but look at Alex Smith. He had some of his best seasons in Kansas City under Andy Reid. And I don't think that's an accident. Jamal Charles had some of his... He had some great years before Andy Reid arrived. But when Andy Reid took over here in Kansas City, Jamal Charles had some of his best numbers. And again, I don't think that's a coincidence either. The fact that Andy Reid became the catch coach and Jamal Charles suddenly starts playing well. A lot of players play to their potential and sometimes even above it. When they play for a guy like Andy Reid. And why one head coach has that kind of power. I mean uh, that might be a question to ask the scout. Guys like Matt Miller, Dan Shanka, friends of the podcast will definitely have on later in the offseason. But I'm not, I mean I know we'll talk the X's and O's. But as far as the detailed part of things. It's hard to answer why someone like Andy Reid really has that much power in helping players play to their potential like that. And I think that's a good thing. 
So Deshaun Kaiser, I would be more than open to having him here in Kansas City. It's not the reliable veteran backup, but I think Deshaun Kaiser is capable of doing some things. And I discussed this last year when we were talking about possible quarterbacks that could get drafted by the Chiefs. And Kaiser is a guy who, kind of similar to Watson, can do some things, move around in the pocket, and uh, can sling the ball deep. Uh, it's just, in Cleveland, you've, you've got to understand, everything in Cleveland has to be taken with a grain of salt. Look at Bill Belichick. He was at one point the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. Look where he's at right now. And that's not a dig at Cleveland. I'd love to see the the Browns succeed more often as a franchise. It is just, at the end of the day, they haven't been very good. They've struggled a lot over the years. And there's just been limited success with a lot of players there. The last head coach to win 10 football games with the Cleveland Browns, believe it or not, was Romeo Cornell. And I thought if Romeo Cornell was capable of winning 10 games with Cleveland, surely, and by the way, they barely missed the playoffs that year, surely Romeo could succeed in Kansas City. Obviously not the case, but you get the idea. So I think if Deshaun Kaiser, uh, you know, if we judge him just based on how he did in one year with the Browns, I think that's an unfair thing to do. If he does end up in Kansas City, I definitely think he could play a lot better than how he did. And a big part of that could be because of Andy Reid. Uh, the rumor is that a day three draft pick is the asking price, which obviously is not a lot for a guy like Deshaun Kaiser. Now, the quarterback talk does not end there. Jason Lockenfora tweeted, and before I say anything, yes, I know Kansas City hates Lockenfora because of his anti-Chiefs, anti-Royals comments, but let's 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 be honest here he was the first one who and the only one who mentioned the possibility that Marcus Peters could be traded and everybody refuted him on that and we all know what happened then but Jason Lockenfora again for what it's worth tweeted that the Chiefs and the Bears could be involved in a quote bidding war for former Mizzou quarterback Chase Daniel also of course spent three seasons here in Kansas City Uh, Came close to winning a Heisman in uh, his time with Missouri in 2007. Of course, that was a crazy year with both KU and MU going head-to-head at Arrowhead as, uh, I believe, two and three ranked teams in the nation. So, uh, crazy year for college football, especially uh, locally uh, in Kansas City with KU and MU. Uh, Definitely missed those good years where uh, there was a football rivalry between the two schools. But, uh, Chase Daniel. Certainly could be an option here. And I think this would be very interesting. Here's how I see things playing. How things could play out. Maybe Deshaun Kaiser ends up in Kansas City. Because John Dorsey might be going after Chase Daniel. Now I know the Browns were not mentioned in this. It's the Chiefs and Bears. And obviously you look at those two teams. Well what do they have in common? They both drafted a quarterback last year in the first round. The Chicago Bears traded up to get uh, Mitchell Trubisky, number two overall, and the Kansas City Chiefs traded 10th overall to get Patrick Mahomes, and surely they want to continue with their rookie quarterbacks. I know Trubisky had more opportunities last year than Mahomes did, but uh, both of them are going to play a lot more in 2018, and what if Trubisky or Mahomes don't do well in 2018, or they suffer an injury and are not available for the remainder of the season? Both teams, Kansas City and Chicago, are going to want a viable veteran backup, and Chase Daniel would be a great guy to have. And I think he's kind of in an interesting point, too, in his career. Let's not forget, he's been around this league for a very long time. He's 31 years old. He'll turn 32 in October. And 
he's done some good things when given the opportunity. And he hasn't had many of those in the regular season. But Chase Daniel certainly is a guy who, who surely, I mean, if you look at 32 NFL teams, obviously we don't have 32 elite quarterbacks out there. And I'd like to think that Chase, Tan- Chase Daniels certainly can start for the Cleveland Browns at the very least. If they don't want to keep Deshaun Kaiser, if they want to move away from him, I can see John Dorsey trying to attain a guy like Chase Daniel. Again, another guy who he signed before. So this is definitely something to keep in mind because Chase Daniel, again, if things go bad with Patrick Mahomes... Skill-wise, or if he gets uh, if he gets injured, well, you're going to need a veteran that has played the game for a few years that knows what he's doing and can come in and do a good job filling in. Kind of similar to a Damon Hewitt situation in 2006. Uh, no, Trent Green was not a rookie quarterback or a young quarterback by all means, but the Chiefs, instead of going to a guy like Brody Croyle, they had Damon Hewitt there, and he came in and did a fantastic job. 11 touchdowns, one pick. And if I'm not mistaken, he had a 5-3 and three record as a starting quarterback that year for the Chiefs. I know afterwards, things didn't go very well for the Chiefs and Heward uh, on the field. But, I mean, at the time being, the Chiefs had a veteran QB who came out of the bullpen and did a very good job filling in. And the Chiefs need something similar like that. Sure, Deshaun Kaiser, I think he can do some good things, especially if he's playing under a coach like Andy Reid. But I'd be, I'd be more enticed to have a veteran backup here in case... You need to go to your number two QB for whatever reason, uh, either whether it's bad play from Mahomes or an injury. And I think Chase Daniel would be a great guy to have. Now, the asking price would be interesting. Of course, he made a lot of money here in Kansas City. I think he made uh, $10 million in three years just to be a backup. And he only played twice in the regular season uh, for the Chiefs. Once was in the season finale where the Chiefs benched all 22, or well, Ryan, not necessarily benched, but rested all 22 starters, the more correct term, uh, in 2013 when they knew what their standing was going to be. And then uh, in 2014, when Alex Smith uh, suffered an injury, he had to sit out and Chase Daniel came in. He did a very good job. Uh, I mean, that was a year where the offense had no touchdown, uh, no touchdown passes to a wide receiver. And of course, that was the same game where Dwayne Bowe should have uh, been able to get a touchdown when he was diving into the end zone, but he fumbled it, and Travis Kelsey scooped it up. Uh, and, uh, of course, I mean, it, that was the story right there. Despite Chase Daniel doing a fairly good, good job, maybe could have done better if the receivers that year could have been better. I know Albert Wilson was part of that team at the time, and he's done a lot better uh, the past couple of years as his career has gone on, but he was a rookie at the time, and certainly he was not a reliable guy uh, to to use uh, that year, and the Chiefs were trying to use a lot of different guys outside of Dwayne Bowe, and we know Dwayne Bowe, the Chiefs were very patient with him for a very long time, but nonetheless, you know Chase Daniel is capable of doing some things, especially with this offense. You had a thousand yard wide receiver, a thousand yard tight end, and a thousand yard rusher. Uh, you've got a lot of guys that can do some special things, and if Chase Daniel if he ever has to come into a situation like that, that would be a great situation for any backup QB to walk into. You know you can rely around the guys around you. And at the end of the day, as a backup, there wouldn't be as much pressure as there would be in normal situations because you can rely on your teammates around you. And that would be a very big thing for Chase Daniel, a veteran like him. Uh, and I think that would be a good situation to to see. Uh, hopefully it never comes down to that because that means there would have been an injury or bad play. But if, that, if the Chiefs ever need that backup plan... 
I think it'd be great to see Chase Daniel back in Kansas City. A lot of you guys were open to the idea of having Chase Daniel back in Kansas City. If you haven't uh, answered on that, let me know your thoughts. Facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugian, Twitter.com slash Farzine21. Email me as well, Farzine at FarzineVesugian.com. Now, one bit of bad news this week as Bears quarterback Kyle Fuller, also the brother, the older brother of Kendall Fuller, who will soon be a chief. A lot of you guys want to see the Fuller brothers be in Kansas City, but that may not be the case as Kyle Fuller did receive the transition tag, not the franchise tag, but the transition tag from the Chicago Bears. So it's doubtful he comes to Kansas City. Uh, I mentioned he's the older brother of Kendall Fuller. Uh, two other brothers in the uh, family uh, who, who played uh, football. Uh, Vincent Fuller, a retired NFL safety. And uh, he, Vincent's the oldest. The next oldest is Corey Fuller, who uh, is a free agent wide receiver who was with the Lions and the Saints. And then you have Kyle Fuller, then Kendall Fuller in the family. But the transition tag, uh, I want to go back to that and make that clear. Uh, he is expected to be a top 10 player, uh, a top 10 paid player at his position. Uh, and according to Sh- the, the Chicago Bears team reporter on their website, uh, players who receive an exclusive franchise tag can only negotiate with their current team. Those with non-exclusive franchise tags can sign with another club, though their original team can match the offer or receive two first-round draft picks if they choose not to match the deal. So if Kansas City, I mean, if they really feel that in Tyson, and if they think he's definitely worth it and want to pay him a little bit more, we'll see how that goes. But considering that they got uh, Kendall Fuller, the other Fuller, and Emerson this offseason, I don't know if Kansas City would be willing to add another quarterback. Maybe they draft uh, someone early to add to uh, to maybe bulk it up a little bit. Because, look, I, I said this when Marcus Peters was still on the team. I don't think you can have enough cornerbacks in this league, especially with how uh, the passing game has evolved in the past 10 years. And again, I think it's kind of crazy thinking that, you know, I thought at the end of the day, it would have been great to see Marcus Peters, Darrell Revis, if he could have a full offseason with Bob Sutton, a defensive coordinator who he is familiar with. And of course, considering Revis' career and what he's accomplished, uh, plus guys like Steven Nelson, Philip Gaines, if they maybe have different roles, Terrence Mitchell uh, with the Chiefs, maybe then, and I know Gaines is set to be a free agent, but at the at, for the time being, with the players you had, I thought maybe this would be a, a good group to go to go into with in 2018. Sure enough, uh, the Chiefs let go of Revis, and understandably so. Maybe at his age, they weren't very confident in him. Uh, but Marcus Peters, the big shocker, of course, le- uh, trading him away, and now you have Kendall Fuller and David Amerson, guys who you're going to be moving forward with. And it just kind of makes you wonder how confident the Chiefs are in those two. Certainly, they feel very confident if they were to trade Marcus Peters, of course, who 21 picks, including two in the playoffs in the past three years, more than anybody, and nobody comes close to that. And it certainly would be interesting to see. Uh, So Kyle Fuller, was he under the Chiefs' radar? Possibly, who knows. Uh, I think a lot of people use that Fuller connection uh, to possibly speculate or or maybe just be hopeful of the fact that he could come to Kansas City. But unlikely to be the case, uh, Kyle Fuller coming to Kansas City. Now, we don't want to talk about some uh, wide receivers here because Kansas City, even though for the time being they are not linked 
or rumored to acquire any free agent wide receivers. There are a lot of good, talented young wide receivers too who Kansas City should definitely target and maybe could come away with one of these guys. Again, you have to consider the price tag on some of these guys because these are guys who are going to be asking for a lot of money. The Jacksonville Jaguars, they did not tag Allen Robinson, who's 24 years old. The Rams did not tag Sammy Watkins, also 24 years old. Both have done a great job in their career so far. Danny Amendola of the Pats, a little bit older, has not re-signed with the Patriots. 32 years old, Eric Decker of the Titans did not re-sign with Tennessee. He's 30 years old, and the Chiefs have a little bit of familiarity with him during his time with the Broncos. And of course, the big game where he had the four touchdowns in the second half with Peyton Manning throwing bombs his way. Uh, But man, uh, there are some good guys out there. I'll tell you one wide receiver and someone who the Chiefs could get for a very low price and the reason I bring up this name, uh, and you know, for those who are college football fans, if you're a KU, K-State fan, and you follow the Big 12 closely, you'll you'll recognize this name, and I'll, I'll mention his name in a moment. But the Chiefs have been rumored to trying to acquire wideouts that could provide some speed. I know a lot of people are talking about bringing in a possession receiver, and I can understand the need for that, but... Look, if if the Chiefs went out there and had this kind of this great season with Tyreek Hill, who's not necessarily a possession re- receiver, uh, of course, more of a speedy guy, and if the Chiefs had a lot of success with him in the offense, and many other reasons why that success too, but Tyreek Hill had a big hand in that. Why not go after another guy and see what that can really do for an offense? You had two of those guys in. Tyreek Hill and Albert Wilson. Now, we'll see what happens with Albert Wilson. I'd love to see him back in Kansas City, but uh, as of now, uh, not re-signed by the Chiefs. But the one name that I do want to point out there from the LA Rams who are reportedly going to trade or release him, and at this point, I don't know if he has a lot of trade value, so he may just end up being released. Uh, Certainly, the Chiefs were in discussions of trying to acquire him, or maybe his name was brought up by the Rams because the Rams certainly had to have known that the Chiefs were looking for a speedy receiver. But Tavon Austin, great special teams player, great. He had had a lot of great speed in college. Hasn't necessarily translated to having that kind of success on offense. But I think, again, what I said earlier with Deshaun Kaiser, maybe you could see something similar with Tavon Austin finding more success under Andy Reid. Now, he turns 27 years old this off, this March, this, this month, as a matter of fact. So, not necessarily young, but not old either. Not too late to find a way to turn his career around. Maybe would just need a change of scenery to get things going. And I think Kansas City would be the perfect spot for Tavon Austin. Again, this is a guy who you could definitely use in the special teams department. Maybe him and... Tyreek Hill could split duties uh, when it comes to punt returns, kickoff returns. Uh, And I I think on offense, Tavon Austin definitely would be a great slot receiver. And I think he would be able to do a lot more for the Chiefs in that area if he were to join the Chiefs in 2018. I think this is the the perfect player Andy Reid would want in Kansas City. Did a great job at West Virginia, of course, when... Geno Smith was a quarterback there. Tavon Austin, part of that offense, and just the uh, just the things that this uh, these two these guys did during their time. Of course, uh, part of an Orange Bowl win, a dominant Orange Bowl win too. And I understand not all of the 
success a player has in college will translate to the NFL. But, uh, I mean, you, you, you can never take away speed from a guy when he makes the jump from college to the NFL. That speed is always going to be there. And I think Andy Reid's got to find a way to bring him in here. And I think he can evolve into a better offensive player. And maybe eventually become a viable number two, maybe even a number one receiver at some point in his career, whether it's here in Kansas City or elsewhere. Bottom line, I think this is a player who the Chiefs need, and I think this is a a situation that Tavon Austin needs to be a part of because that would definitely help his career, and the Chiefs, I think, can benefit from having a guy like Tavon Austin on their offense. Let me know your guys' thoughts on all of that. Facebook.com slash Farzivisugan, Twitter.com. Sash Farzine21 and email me Farzine at Farzinevasugian.com. Final topic before we hit the closing segments for the show. The Chiefs 2018 draft picks are out. Of course, the draft order for the 2018 NFL draft has been announced. The Chiefs, no first round pick this year due to the trade moving up to get Mahomes last year, trading up with the Buffalo Bills. Now they do have a second round pick, 54th overall. The they've got a pair of third round picks. Uh, one of them from the Washington Redskins, 78th overall. And then, of course, Kansas City's own, 86th overall. And, of course, the uh, first third-round pick uh, coming from the Redskins in the Alex Smith trade. Uh, the four, fourth-round pick this year of their own, 122nd overall. And another fourth-round pick, 124th overall, just two picks later. Uh, that is the trade from the Rams acquiring uh, who acquired Marcus Peters. Now, the Chiefs have their own 6th-round pick, no 5th-round pick, 196th overall. The Their 6th-round pick, 209th overall, that is going to be shipped to Los Angeles for part of the Marcus Peters deal. And of course, next year, Kansas City will be getting a 2nd-round pick from the Rams. And then the Chiefs have a pair of 7th-round picks, 233rd overall and 243. Now, here's what I got my eye on. Obviously, a lot of people looking at the 2nd round because that's going to be the 1st Drafted player by the Chiefs, provided that they don't move up in the draft. But look at the third round. This is an area where, for whatever reason, at least in recent history for the Chiefs, they have found some great football players in the third round. Last year, of course, the Chiefs drafted Kareem Hunt in the third round. Looking at the 2015 draft, they got Steven Nelson, who I thought was a very good slot cornerback in 2016. Chris Conley had a great combine, but hasn't necessarily translated to showing uh, good things on the field. Uh, Looking at years before that, 2013, the Chiefs nabbed Travis Kelsey in the third round, uh, very high third round pick. Niall Davis, I know he he, he had some flashes as as a running back, but did a lot of great things on special teams. So a couple of good guys who they found in the third round that year. Justin Houston in 2011 drafted in the third round. Uh, John Asamoa, Tony Mowiaki. I know Mowiaki, uh, I mean, it was hard for him to reach his potential, but uh, for the time being, it looked like those two guys definitely were going to be one of the best at their positions. Uh, John Asamoa, definitely an underrated guard, has done a lot of great things for the Chiefs uh, before he left. And, of course, moved on and followed Scott Pioli in Atlanta. Jamal Charles, let's not forget, was a third-round pick in 2008, 10 years ago. Uh, uh, so, yeah, I mean, crazy to think it's been that long. But the Chiefs have had a lot of luck. A lot of great luck in the third round. Dustin Colquitt, another guy. 
uh, in that round. Just uh, continue to look back. But bottom line, you get the idea. Uh, I like the idea that the Chiefs have a couple of third-round picks here. Because for whatever reason, that has been the round where the Chiefs have just had a lot of success. I'd say more success. Uh, again, just kind of look, looking back at the list again. I say the Chiefs have had a lot more success with third-round draft picks than they've had first-round picks. Uh, Patrick Mahomes and, and Kareem Hunt, I mean, they, they both should be great. We'll see with Mahomes. Uh, but for right now, obviously, Kareem Hunt's had the better career than Mahomes. Uh, 2016, the Chiefs did not have a first-round pick. And even then, the third-round pick, Kavari Russell, uh, let go very early. Marcus Peters uh, in 2015, uh, obviously better than Steven Nelson and Chris Conley. Uh, 2014, D. Ford, Philip Gaines. Uh, D. Ford, uh, he he was great in the first half of 2016. That was really it. Uh, 2013, Eric Fisher drafted in the first round, first overall, as a matter of fact. And then you had Travis Kelsey and Niall Davis. I think it's pretty obvious which rounds, uh, which players have provided better production. Uh, 2012, Dontari Poe uh, over Donald Stevenson, of course. Uh, Justin Houston over Donald, uh, Jonathan Baldwin in 2011. I don't think that's a contest there. I know Houston didn't have a, a, the greatest year last year. Uh, still did fairly good, uh, better than what people are giving him credit for. Uh, but career wise, it's not even, it's not even close. Uh, 2010, uh, Eric Berry. I mean, there's just no way you can say that John Asimov and Tony Momoyaki combined have had a better career. Uh, 2009, Tyson Jackson, Alex McGee. No, not really. Uh, 2008, Glenn Dorsey and Brandon Albert versus Jamal Charles, Brad Cottom, Dewan Morgan. Well, I mean, Jamal Charles, of course, had the better career over Glenn Dorsey and Brandon Albert, uh, which is crazy to think because I still remember being at the uh, draft party and how everyone just went crazy when Glenn Dorsey was taken fifth overall. But, uh, okay, I mean... I'll take it back. Uh, perhaps there's been some back and forth. 2007, Dwayne Bowe certainly was had a better career than Tank Tyler. Uh, okay, I mean, it, it, there are some years where the Chiefs had better success in the third round and the Chiefs had better success in the first round. Okay, it's been back and forth. But bottom line, I think the Chiefs, compared to most teams across the NFL, they've had more success in the third round than most teams. So to have a pair of third round picks... Uh, maybe have a season kind of like 2015 where you have Chris Conley and Steven Nelson. Uh, but more times than not, Kansas City has had a lot of success uh, finding some great Pro Bowl players in the third round. So hopefully the Chiefs can continue to have that good luck in the third round this year. Time to wrap up the show. Let's go around the NFL. It seems like the Steelers cannot catch a break with this. Le'Veon Bell, of course, tagged for the second year in a row, and it was revealed Wednesday. Le'Veon Bell will, uh, he threatened to hold out for all of 2018. Uh, For whatever reason, it does not seem like Le'Veon Bell has any interest whatsoever playing in Pittsburgh. Now look, do I believe that he's going to Hold out even into the season? No. I mean, I just think there's so much money to be made there. And if he doesn't sign and if he doesn't play, uh, you're just losing out on a lot of money. And I don't think a lot of teams would be interested in a guy like him if he does decide to hold out. But bottom line, I, I think if you're Pittsburgh, get something out of him while you can because you're not going to be able to tag him for a third year in a row. And at that point, uh, you don't want to just let him walk, especially a guy like Le'Veon Bell who 
Some might say it might be the best running back in the NFL, and I think there's certainly a strong case for that. Uh, so certainly, you've got to consider the option of trading him if you're if you're Pittsburgh. Uh, look and see what teams really need a, a running back and what could they offer. Uh, initially, I'd love to say Cleveland, but obviously not an ideal situation to send someone within the conference and the division. So, uh, and I, I mentioned Cleveland because of their draft picks, uh, but I'm sure there are other teams that have a lot of draft picks that maybe they would feel the need to give up a couple of picks to get a guy like Le'Veon Bell. So certainly, and the, and the Steelers could certainly benefit from getting multiple draft picks, especially as a team that don't draft very high because they always do so well. Maybe in some cases they could find a team that's struggled lately, give them a, a, a running back like Bell, get a first-round pick, and use it to maybe replace him. And listen, I just mentioned Jamal Charles and Kareem Hunt. They were third-round draft picks, and they've been some of the best players at running back during their times in the NFL. Jamal Charles, in the early part of this decade, was the most dominant player at running back, and Kareem Hunt, so far, I mean, of course, in the one year that he's played, he's led the NFL in rushing, so you never know uh, with running backs. You can find a lot of great running backs as long as you have a good scouting department, you can find them in any round, really. That's and, and the Chiefs have proven that. Recently on the podcast, we did talk about Teddy Bridgewater likely to hit free agency. Well, there's a rumor out there that Kirk Cousins could go to Minnesota. And, of course, we heard about the Jets willing to pay a lot of guaranteed money just in one year just to get Kirk Cousins. But maybe Kirk Cousins, considering a team that was one game away from the Super Bowl. And, I listen... Uh, if Kirk Cousins was on the Vikings, certainly the Vikings would have uh, been involved in a more com- uh, competitive football game in the NFC title game against the Eagles. Uh, shoulda, woulda, coulda, you never know. Uh, but I think bottom line, if the Vikings do acquire Cousins, this is a team that could move on and possibly challenge other teams in the NFC to win the NFC title and move on to the Super Bowl. So, that is something interesting to keep an eye on, which leaves me to wonder what's going to happen to Case Keenum. Well, this is where the Chiefs tie-in comes into place, uh, at least in some way related to the Chiefs. It could be going to the AFC West. A lot of rumors point that Case Keenum could end up in Denver. There were Ever since Alex Smith got traded to the Washington Redskins, a lot of rumors out there said that Case Keenum could end up in Denver. Now we're hearing Case Keenum... Or excuse me, I meant to say Kirk Cousins to Denver. That was the rumor. Now it's Kirk Cousins to Minnesota and Case Keenum to Denver. It's crazy how much rumors will change over the course of an offseason. But the latest one, it's Case Keenum to Denver and Kirk Cousins to Minnesota. And man, I, I mean, I like what Case Keenum did for the Vikings last year. But I just don't think Case Keenum is the kind of player the Broncos want to move forward with and to try to improve with. I don't think you get better at quarterback with Keenum. Sure, it would be an improvement at that spot, but I don't think as a team overall, you make that big significant jump, which is what the Broncos are looking for. They've got a great defense. They've got a lot of great players on offense. They just need that quarterback. And I don't know if Case Keenum is the right player that can help them challenge the Chiefs for the AFC West title. Of course, the Chiefs have won that back-to-back years. I think Kirk Cousins would be the better bill that fits the situation in Denver. But, man, Case Keenum, again, it's an improvement for Denver, but not by much, in my opinion. Let's go out of bounds.
You guys remember a couple of podcasts, a couple of episodes ago, we talked about Laura Ingram, the Fox News anchor who took a shot at Kevin Durant and LeBron James because they spoke against Donald Trump in a bit of a vulgar ESPN video. Um, and she was so focused on that. I mean, look, as if Donald Trump's never said anything uh, out of line. But anyway, uh, Laura Ingram used the words shut up and dribble uh, to LeBron James and Kevin Durant. Now, not a racist comment, but LeBron James didn't take that very kindly. Uh, Kevin Durant didn't take it very kindly. Now, she only focused on the uh, racist uh criticism that she got. She never focused on the actual criticism she received regarding this topic. Well, this has come up again because Kobe Bryant won an Oscar for an animated film he had uh, been a part of uh, that he was responsible for creating. Uh, I I believe this is from a poem that he wrote in 2013 and eventually uh, became an animated film and he won an Oscar for it and on the mic he said he can do more than shut up and dribble. And I thought that was just the perfect response. Listen, I understand that this day and age, and I and I know we'll probably talk about this several more times, especially with the protesting, and maybe if that continues, it'll be brought up again. I know politically speaking, it's not... I mean, we're in a big divide right now in the United States, and no one's going to agree. And with social media also bigger than it's ever been, everyone's going to have an opinion. Everyone's going to have something to say. And I think players have the right to say it. Just because they're athletes doesn't mean they can't have political opinions. I know it's not the... I mean, if, if someone says Black Panther is a terrible movie, if, a, if an athlete says it, well, then there's going to be some back-and-forth conversations there. But if someone says Donald Trump is not a good president, well, at that point, people take offense to it, and they don't like it because it's a political topic and people don't want to talk politics, especially in this day and age. Listen, I understand everyone's standpoint on that, but I, uh, athletes, actors, uh, whoever, everyone has the right to discuss anything. I mean, look, I, I, I mean, I'll talk Chiefs and MMA on my podcast, but I'll also talk about TV shows on my Twitter page. Uh, I mean, so uh, people are allowed to talk about whatever they want on social media or in their interviews or, or, or whatever platform they have. And Laura Ingram. Now knowing, I know she does the whole shut up and act or whatever. She does that whole shut up and for several different things. But to be honest, I think that's honestly a segment she needs to drop. Because she's basically saying people cannot have an opinion, uh, something outside of their their, uh, expertise, so to say. And who is she to criticize? She's an anchor. A lot of things could... The people could easily be saying the same things about her. And... I, I think she swung and missed big time when she went after Durant and James. And of course, Kobe Bryant with a nice mic drop. And I think that was a well-deserved shot to Laura Ingram. Speaking of people taking shots, Conor McGregor's been taking a lot of shots uh, the past few months by MMA fighters. Conor McGregor came out with a Burger King commercial... Uh, and on his Facebook page and in the commercial, he talks about how, you know, first of all, on Facebook, he says, forget about Nate Diaz, forget about Floyd Mayweather and all these other guys calling me out. Uh, you know, I've got a real competitor, the king from Burger King. Uh, and, and of course, in his commercial, he goes, oh, oh the, the, the spicy McChicken sandwich. So great. And, and at the end of it, uh, at the end of the commercial, he took a jab at uh, all the people who have called him out. And he goes, oh, uh, thanks for talking about me. 
Connor Jr. is now going to college. I mean, as if he didn't have the money before, but now it's for sure because now he's got this big Burger King ad. Hey, I mean, I've seen it on advertisements on the side of ESPN.com, Yahoo, everywhere. So, now obviously, Connor scored big with this one. I'll say one more thing about, about this, and I know I'm taking a shot at someone who I've taken a sh- plenty of shots at, but Connor McGregor's acting in this 53-second video, this commercial, is way better than any acting Ronda Rousey's ever done. Any acting. I do want to touch on this real quickly. The XFL, I've not brought this up yet on the podcast. I do want to give my two cents on this because a lot of people have been saying that because of social media and how popular the sport of football is, it could succeed in uh, 2020, which is when it's the expected year. Uh, I know people laugh at the fact that, you know, uh, Vince McMahon made a rule they have to stand for the anthem. Uh, it's a one-strike issue, so anyone that gets in trouble once they're they're out of the XFL, uh, obviously, you know, they're going to have uh, interest from guys like Colin Kaepernick, Johnny Manziel, Tim Tebow, a lot, a lot of notable guys who d- certainly could join the XFL. And I think that would definitely uh, garner a lot of ratings there. But I think the XFL will dominate the ratings short-term, but they're not going to care long-term. Listen. The United Football League had Marty Schottenheimer as the head coach. And Marty Schottenheimer, he was the head coach for the Las Vegas whatevers. I don't remember the name. But at the end of the day, the Las Vegas team that Schottenheimer coached won a championship. Nobody cared. This was not even discussed in Kansas City. Listen... Marty Schottenheimer, one of the more successful head coaches in in the NFL. If him coaching in the UFL does not create create interest, why would Colin Kaepernick to the XFL or Tim Tebow to the XFL? Why would that generate any interest? I think maybe for one or two weeks is going to be a big deal, but the XFL is going to revert back to what it was. Just a minor league football system that no one is going to follow uh, after a couple of weeks. I know that might be fairly harsh, and I understand social media could change things, but still, even with social media in this era, I don't think the XFL will succeed, and I think it's going to be a one-year wonder once again. Final segment of the show, time to throw some penalty flags. I mentioned this guy's name earlier in the podcast, Brandon Albert. Welcome into the penalty flag segment. He was arrested in Atlanta at a jewelry store uh, last Wednesday because he punched a hole in a jewelry cabinet at a jewelry store. Uh, Also tackled an officer and attempted... To flee the scene after he was tased. Now somebody commented on the Facebook page. When I shared the story. And they said that. uh, They were disappointed by this. Because they had played Xbox with him. And and he was a cool guy. And immediately my thought was. uh, Did you guys play Grand Theft Auto 5. And if you guys did the jewelry store heist together. In that game from Grand Theft Auto 5. Because that is an event in that game. But uh, man. Um. Uh, obviously, stories like this, they're, they're pretty intriguing uh, because it involves a former chief. But, man, uh, I mean, why why is it? And Brandon Albert, who 
is an overpaid offensive lineman. By the way, I texted the story to my mom, and she goes, the only thing I remember about Brandon Albert is that he was injured every other game, uh, which is true. But man, uh, for a guy who's so damn well overpaid, it just shocks me that people are wanting to steal things or or they're trying to get away with something. It it just shocks me, especially at a jewelry store. Who was it? uh, I can't remember his name. Uh, The former Oklahoma State running back who played for the Dallas Cowboys. Jonathan Joseph, I believe, the running back. He once... He got arrested for stealing underwear. Like, I mean, this is how bad it... Like, it just shocks me. First of all, I don't condone stealing ever. But I guess it's more surprising when pro athletes do it because they have the money. And, you know, for guys who hate getting criticized, well, look, you put yourself in this position now and you can never be considered a role model for uh, for kids. No, not at all. Uh, so shame on Brandon Albert. Uh, I, I mean... He deserves the humility right now, and uh, he put himself in this position. No one to blame but himself. And Lansing, Kansas. Uh, Lansing, Kansas. Making a... I mean, they're getting a lot of attention worldwide right now. Uh, a, A driver plowed through the wall of uh, Freddy's... Uh, I want to make sure I have the right name. I've only been to this place once. I was not a big fan of it. Uh, Freddy's Frozen Custard. Drove through it. And uh, I guess they actually ran into the part of the uh, restaurant where the restrooms were, and there was actually a person in there. Uh, I believe... Uh, no injuries were reported. Maybe a minor one, according to Fox 4 News. Uh, but I mean, obviously that has to be a damn scary thing. You're, you're using the restroom, you're, you're doing your thing there. And all of a sudden a vehicle comes through the wall. Uh, look, uh, let me just share this story. When I was living in Overland Park a couple of years ago, there was a, uh, a 19 year old girl. This actually made the news. Uh, but the story was a 19 year old girl. She saw a dead end, uh, at a street close to my house. And so she freaked out because she was speeding, made a right turn, lost control, and ran into a house, hitting the side of a garage. And uh, the story was unfortunate because the poor homeowner, the lady in there, she, I mean, she couldn't watch. She was on a wheelchair, and she had to call for help. Uh, and I don't know exactly what the situation was here with this driver at Freddy's Throws of Custard. Uh, obviously taking the words drive through a little too seriously, but, uh, this is, I mean, this is just, I guarantee you, uh, a phone was involved. Somebody was texting, doing something and they drove through the wall. It makes, it drives me insane. Now they can never confirm these kinds of things generally, but look, man, I've come close to crashing into people because you're texting and driving, uh, uh, sometimes I wish I owned uh, one of those, uh, not a GoPro, I can't think of, uh, one of those dash cams. Uh, a lot of police officers, of course, they have to have them on. A lot of people use them just driving around for fun. I really want one just to upload videos online to show you how many close calls I get because there are people who are just not paying attention. They don't know how a stop sign works or they're on their phone. I, I remember, you know, it's a green light for me. I'm getting ready to pass. Someone's wanting to turn on a red light and they're about to, start, I'm close to slamming on my brakes because someone's about to pass. And as I get closer, I see this person on, on their phone. Folks, 
Spread the word. Drop the phone. It can wait. By the way, the picture of this guy, the uh, and I posted it on the Facebook page. This is a very impressive angle. I don't know how you end up uh, passing through the parking lot and crashing into the store. I don't know how, especially with that angle. That's impressive. Final one I really want to touch on real quickly. I know the music's running out and we got to wrap up here, but... A lot of TV shows are making a comeback. Now, Fuller House, of course, I feel like has done a great job. It's available on Netflix, of course, from, from Full House, the spinoff from that. But man, there are, I think there are so many shows that are tr- that they saw what Fuller House is doing now and they want to try to revive some, some other TV shows. For example, American Idol, coming back to a different network. It's going from, I believe, Fox and now will be on ABC. Roseanne is also making a comeback and again I think these were all great shows back in the day but name me a a TV show that was great in the 80s or 90s and when they tried to bring it back it didn't go well I can't remember this uh this weird show which was kind of like Double Dare 2000 uh which was on Nickelodeon um, uh, they brought it back, and Hulk Hogan was the host of that show. Uh, man, I, I don't have the name off the top of my head. Everyone thought it was going to be a big thing because Hulk Hogan was the host of that TV show and how great of a show it was in the uh, 80s or 90s. Uh, trying to figure out if I can pull it up real quickly. Uh, American Gladiators, that's what it was. Uh, a lot of people thought that was going to be, be a big thing, but that was such a short second stint. Uh, Fear Factor is trying to make a comeback. I just, and I've said this before on the podcast, actually. I just don't think that show can do well without a great host like Joe Rogan. So many of the... And let me just say this about American Idol. If you don't have Simon Cowell, that show is nothing. It's really nothing. Uh, so I don't know. I, I can understand the attempt, especially in, in, in... I mentioned earlier with the XFL. Social media and just the effect and the impact it can have on pop culture and media but at the end of the day bringing back these old tv shows i don't think it's going to work out especially for shows like uh roseanne american idol fear factor i just don't think so i think a lot of people are seeing what fuller house is doing they went about it the right way instead of going on a uh, on a network deal they're doing it on netflix and kind of on their own pace schedule no timing no none of that and a lot of people are wanting to copy them but try to do better and I just don't think they're going to succeed. Let me know your guys' thoughts. Facebook.com slash Farzinevisugin. Twitter.com slash Farzine21. You guys can also email me, Farzine at Farzinevisugin.com. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. I'm going to be out of town this weekend, going to Las Vegas, the fight capital of the world. Should be a fun weekend there, as always. Uh, I'll be back next week. If you haven't, check out my MMA podcast, the Cage Zone Podcast. I recap UFC 222 on there. And since I'll be out of town and there's not a UFC event this weekend... There will not be an episode of the Cage Zone Podcast, so if you have a chance, check it out if you're a big MMA fan. If you're wanting to get into it, hey, I encourage you to check it out. It's also available on iTunes. Subscribe to that podcast. Subscribe to this podcast. Spread the words for the Chief Zone and the Cage Zone Podcast on social media. Let your friends know about those podcasts. And as always, interact with me on social media. As always, appreciate you guys downloading and listening to the podcast. I'll talk to you guys next week. It'll be a new league year. Free agency will have begun. Alex Smith, Marcus Peters will have gone to new teams officially. And I'm sure we'll have a lot to talk about at that point. And we'll touch on all of that on next week's podcast. Take care.